When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Jesuitical, a podcast by the young, hip, and lay editors of America Media. That lay part means we aren't Jesuits, but we work with them. Join us each week for a smart Catholic take on faith, culture, and the news, often over drinks. I'm Ashley McKinless, and I'm joined by Zach Davis. Good to be with you, Ashley, on this Ash Wednesday. Yes, my, my what do you call it? Patronal, Epon- please. Eponymous? <laughs> Ash Wednesday. Yeah, this yeah. is your day. Did you remember not to eat meat so far? Yeah, so far. I might get tempted if I walk by one of those hot dog stands. This is a joke because you're a vegetarian. Yes, but I do get tempted by those hot dogs. I was about to have bacon this morning for breakfast, and my grandpa reminded me. uh, We were at a diner, and he's like, oh, what did we get? And I guess not meat. And I thought, (laughs) dang it. Because I've always been told if you forget, it's not you can't really be God, accountable. You really I love my do loopholes. the easiest yeah, Lent I love possible. my loopholes. Uh, so no, I've so far made it uh, with the help of my grandpa to not eat meat. But, yeah, so uh, why is your grandpa here? So uh, yeah, we are. he and I are leaving on America Media's uh, pilgrimage to the Holy Land starting tomorrow. So he got in from out of town today. I am not packed, he is, but uh, getting, <laughs> getting ready. Yeah, no, no kidding. <laughs> um, so just another reminder, a few of you have sent in prayer requests. Um, very happy to break, like, take those prayers with you to the land where Jesus walks. So send those in to email zdavis at americamedia.org or jesuitical at americamedia.org. But I'm getting really excited for it. Yeah. But we've got a great show before. Yeah, we're doing something a little different this week. We have a crossover Lenten spectacular with our friends from Unorthodox, which is a uh, podcast from Tablet Studios, a Jewish podcast. It is the, the... universe's leading Jewish podcast. <laughs> yes. If you haven't listened to it before, you need to go do that. And we have a long history with these guys, right? Yeah. So I was, before Jesuitical existed, I was a big fan of Unorthodox. Back when we were young, hip and lay. Yeah. <laughs> and I, whenever I listened, I'd be like, why isn't there a Catholic version of this? So we stole it. <laughs> we reached out to them. We we're like, hey, we'd like to steal all of your ideas and formats. And they were totally cool with it. They've been very gracious mentors and elder siblings in both the faith and the podcasting world. Yeah. So we talked to our friends Stephanie Butnick, Liel Leibowitz, and Mark Oppenheimer. And first, they tell us what we're giving up for Lent, which is our tradition here. Yes. They, well, I don't want to spoil it for the listeners, but it's a it's a treat. But yeah, each year we ask them to give us some Lenten penances, and they are always very creative. They put a lot of thought into it. Yeah. I'm, I'm really grateful, and especially because it means I don't have to come up with something. Um, it works out pretty well. Although sometimes they've been extremely difficult to pull off. So, uh, but this year I think I can, I can manage on all these. Yeah. And then after that, they basically grill us about what Lent is, what we're doing, why Catholics are so bad at fasting. <laughs> yeah. So it's a, it's a really fun conversation. Um, it's going to be airing in their feed as well, but you should definitely go and subscribe and listen to the show and you, you'll, you'll get a, a good sense of their personalities, but every single week they put out great content. Yeah. So stick around for that conversation. But first, we have a few words about our sponsor this week. That's right. As we mentioned at the top of the show, I'm traveling to the Holy Land. And you know 
that I wasn't about to go without talking to my friends at Wondrium. Wondrium has so many great programs and courses to really like expand knowledge, expand learning, and also expand your travel, even from wherever you are. So they have an awesome course called The Holy Land Revealed, which is really an archaeological look at the Holy Land. And as you can imagine, the archaeology of that place is fascinating, right? It's been so important to so many people for thousands of years. And you get a real new look at the sites uh, from the Christian point of view, like of where Jesus walked, um, all from your couch. I love travel programs, big Rick Steves guy. So I was super stoked to see that Wondrium had the Holy Land revealed. Yeah. And that's just one reason why Wondrium is our favorite educational platform. With documentaries, series, lessons, how-tos, and more, it covers just about anything you can imagine. So that's why we highly recommend signing up for Wondrium. There's a huge selection of videos, over 8,000 hours, and there's the flexibility to do audio only so you can listen while you're cooking or cleaning. Yeah, it's great for podcast listeners. Um, and it's just all top quality, right? The programs are all expert-led, easy to follow, and beautifully filmed. And it's completely accessible, right? So I watch on my phone, but I've also got the app on my Roku TVs. But just because it's on TV doesn't mean there are commercials. There are no commercials, no test or stress, just the enjoyment of learning. So learn about what you love and love learning about it with Wondrium. Do what we did and sign up for Wondrium now. Yeah, Wondrium is offering our listeners two years for the price of one. So you can be locked into learning for two years just for the price of one. That's a fantastic deal. But to do that, you have to sign up today with our special URL. So go to wondrium.com slash Jesuitical. That's W-O-N-D-R-I-U-M dot com slash Jesuitical. to be here all together. Before we start, I think we should all introduce ourselves. We'll, we'll skip the icebreaker, but we think we should all say who we are. As our be... podcasts have grown so much, there are new, so many new Stop listeners. Stop interrupting right. me. You have not introduced yourself. <laughs> I think there, there's five of us who are going to be talking on, the, on this. The I'm Jews Stephanie. are the ones who interrupt. Yes, the Jews are the ones who interrupt. I'm Stephanie Budnick. <laughs> I'm one of the hosts of Unorthodox, the universe's leading Jewish podcast produced by Tablet Studios. And I'm just I'm just happy to be here. I'm Leah Leibowitz. I am the one interrupting my colleagues. I'm Mark Oppenheimer, one of the, the tri-hosts of Unorthodox. So I am Zach Davis. I am one of the co-hosts of Jesuitical, the leading Catholic podcast in the universe. And I'm Ashley McKinless, the other co-host of Jesuitical. And we are both editors at the Jesuit magazine called America. And it's so good to be back with you guys. Thank you. Thank you so much for bringing us into your space this time. It was it's it's good to be here. Whenever we come on, on your show, which is one of our favorite things to do on Earth, you always very kindly prepare cocktails. And it strikes me that we have never reciprocated, which is just a Shonda. And so today we have created, especially for this occasion, a brand new cocktail. Uh, Stephanie Butnick, what is the cocktail called? The cocktail is called the Rootless Cosmopolitan. <laughs> the Rootless Cosmopolitan. Yes. We are also called Rootless Cosmopolitan sometimes. <laughs> That's one of I'm... our favorite derogatory terms. For yeah. Juice. Well, we're taking uh, it back and we are drinking it down. I love and that. So, we reclaim Jesuitical. That's also kind of an insult. Mm -hmm. That became, that's... It is. Like, that's right. It's funny. Yeah. I don't even think about that because I think <laughs> about the podcast when I hear the word now. But of course, to call something Jesuitical means abstruse or over Underhanded. Or, almost yeah. like Talmudic. It's, it's, yes, it's, it's very, very similar. Yes. All right. And so, so it's working. <laughs> we have replaced uh, Cointreau with Blue Curacao to give it that good Hebraic blue. Uh, instead of <laughs> the Cosmopolitan's 
cranberry juice. This is cranberry pomegranate juice because, oh. hey, uh, and uh, and some vodka and lime juice. Oh, wow. wow. Oh, oh that beautiful. is a very blue drink. Wow. <laughs> We will Wait, be publishing the recipe in the newsletter this week, right? Yes, we will. It's, that is a very Lovely. blue drink. It's not quite Smurf, but it's close. It's like it's Gatorade. It'll definitely it revive like, you guys. As, uh, as we say in Latin, l'chaim. L'chaim. Mm. Ooh. If I may. That's Great. really good. <laughs> it's like a popsicle. Our last hurrah before Lent. That brings us to like why we're here. We're all here for Lent. We're gonna. This is airing on both of our shows. It's gonna confuse both people. Confuse both peoples, I should say. Um, tell our listeners what Lent is. So Lent is the period of fasting and penance uh, leading up to Easter, the resurrection of Jesus. It is. It comes out of the forty days that Jesus spent in the desert in the Gospels. Yes, and traditionally, the three penances that come with Lent are fasting, almsgiving, and prayer. I don't know. Prayer isn't exactly a penance, but those are the three traditional practices of Lent. And and modern people typically like pick a thing or a couple things to do extra, right? So I'm sure if you have Catholic friends, you'll hear like what they're giving up for Lent, right? That's a pretty common. Yeah. And we've gotten much uh, laxer around fasting over the years. It used to be every Friday you were supposed to eat one meal a day or no meals. And then in recent years, it's become on fasting days, which is Ash Wednesday and Good Friday, you get one whole meal and two snacks. <laughs> so, yeah. So not quite fasting. Is it really? That really is, <laughs> that is they, the official guidance from okay, the now, church. Th- being a Talmudic minded Jew. Two what snacks co- that don't add up to a meal. What constitutes a snack? <laughs> Uh, yeah, so two. if your average meal has whatever between 500 and 1,000 calories, whatever less than that is divided by two. And if my average meal is 5,000 calories, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Then, then two yeah. cheeseburgers are a perfect snack. Do you yes. know about the diet, the olives? Yes. Uh, so uh, for, for those uh, among Them, us— Them, I mean the Gentiles for, among us yeah. in this room. For those among us who are martini lovers, uh, there's an amazing measure. Uh, what constitutes eating anything in, in Judaism, even food that you're not supposed to eat? Uh, the measure, as Stephanie said, is kazait, which means uh, as an olive. So as long as you have something that's the size of a small olive or smaller, you haven't really eaten it. Right. You're kind of okay, forgiven, permitted it. Uh, and every time I have a martini, I was like, hmm, that's a tribute. Yeah. Fun to, Catholic fact, yeah. what many monks in the <laughs> Middle Ages did during Lent is survive basically on beer. So that didn't count oh. as eating. <laughs> yes, I also did that in January. Yeah. It was <laughs> so I have a question. <laughs> and college. Question. Is, yes. is there, there must be just knowing the world as it is, knowing Catholicism and, you know, like Judaism, there's always someone trying to be more hardcore than thou. There must be some trad, you know, super Catholics who really fast on Fridays. Like what, what do you, are there You're people- You're looking at who, one of them. Are you, I right? do, so, yeah. What does that look like? How hardcore do some people go? How hardcore do you go, Zach? I don't, I don't know that it's that hardcore. I just, so on Fridays, I'm in like a men's group at my parish and collectively we decide to go no solid sun up to sundown. Smoothies are for the week, me, but that's about as hardcore as I get. And the hard trip really falls on his colleagues who have to work with him when he's when very he's cranky. Yeah, and my <laughs> wife. Yeah. yeah, everybody around me is just like, I hate Lent so much because he <laughs> decides to torture himself and take it out on the rest of us. But no, there are lots of communities. Um, there's this program called Exodus 90. They only eat lo- well, locusts. No, it's not that, but they've taken the 40 days of Lent and stretched it into 90. Oh, wow. Um, because that's extra. Um, and it's very masculine. <laughs> very um, dude heavy. It requires going to the gym, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I would say maybe not the gym part, but there are many Catholics 
myself in past incarnations included, who use Lent as like, okay, getting bikini ready before the summer. Right. It's like, okay, I'm giving up carbs for Jesus, but also so I look good. But also for Instagram. Yes. You're a better person now because you have now outsourced your Lent business to us Jews. Um, and traditionally, it is incumbent upon us to advise you on things to give up for Lent. Now, we have not coordinated among ourselves. I have no idea oh boy. what one of my friends are going to say. Why do you ask us this? Why do you, why do you, want, this in, why do you want this inflicted on you? Our uh, colleague, Father James Martin, started doing this. He went to University of Pennsylvania and had a lot of Jewish friends, and they always made fun of him for, like, what he gave up for Lent. You're giving up, like, potato chips? What does that mean? Or, like, you get to decide? Why should you get to decide? Yeah. We should get to decide. <laughs> So yeah, so he started having these friends who would give him his Lenten. They gave him pretty easy ones. It's like turmeric one year. I'm like, all right. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a spice, I think. You guys have been much harder on us. And they this still year, do it, right? This yeah. year, no eating glass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to make this about me for a moment. As, as some of our listeners might know, I think I talked about this. I had a detached retina in September and I had surgery for it. And um, that came with a lot of trials, which I'm not here to complain about. But one of the things that happened was I was relatively disfigured for a little while and I stopped looking in the mirror. And I'm slowly returning to my normal state of vanity. But I do think that it was kind of healthy for me for a while to just not not really look in the mirror, which was something that I had, you know, I'd been looking in the mirror pretty compulsively since about the age of uh, zero. And so I guess I don't have a specific one. I want I want to think in terms of vanity. Could you give up? Well, you could start with that. And I'm, I'm not going to assign this specific task, but I want I want you to come at your natural vanity. Maybe you give up looking in the mirror for 40 days. If there's a makeup practice that either of you has, maybe you give up wearing makeup. Something like that. Something Something that's very, very, very hard because it's so much a part of your daily beauty ritual. Maybe you give up combing your hair. You still wash it, but you don't comb or style it. So I'm going to, I'm going to put that out there. You, only you will know what the version of this is that will really be meaningful to you. Mark, can I ask what, uh, what it was like for you throughout that process? I mean, it sounds terrible. like there was, he, <laughs> was his, there, his hair wasn't brushed. He didn't look in a mirror. <laughs> Did you feel more like in touch with like the true self, the, the non-vain self? Um, I think when I realized after a month or two, because my eye was very swollen and I also I couldn't see the mirror very well. So looking in the mirror was a reminder of how of how much of a hit my vision had taken. When I started returning to my normal vanity, I had the realization that it was it was like using your phone again when you've been on a phone cleanse and you realize, wow, I'm doing this now, but it's bad for me. And there was actually something quite beautiful about about not having that worry. Like for about 60 days, 60 or 90 days. I hadn't worried what I looked like because I was deliberately avoiding the question. So it was actually in retrospect when I went back to my normal vanity that I realized, oh, that was a nice thing. I can't imagine Zach without mascara. <laughs> <laughs> no, the I true think, self. Yeah, the true self. No, I think what's going to result in for me is like a, a really long patchy beard. Oh, that's your gonna wife be, is going to hate this. Yeah, she's going to. So I'll send her Patchy Zach. Yeah. Angry Zach. <laughs> where, where do these two? Send photos, oh. baby. Send photos. All right. All right. Stephanie yeah. Butnick. So one of my favorite things to do is outsource frustrations to those closest to me, particularly the people who live with me, whether you're like, you'll never believe what just happened or like this thought I just put like, like this it's idea. A lot to put on your baby. Yeah. And she's amazing. Um, <laughs> and luckily, like she can't talk, so she can't tell me anything. But like, I think that we all have these tendencies to to load on our unpaid, unaccredited therapists, right? Like our partners, our parents, our best friend. Like there's a way in which we really, for better and for worse, lean on people. And so I kind of want to 
Like this idea of hangry. Like, could you limit that almost like instinctual need we have to like, it's sharing, right? But it's it's usually in a negative way. And I, I don't know that I could do this because maybe it's a really like important and healthy outlet. But I love this idea of like, what if you didn't burden this this same person or people all the time with like your- Like no complaining? Like the specific complaints, talking about Zach's wife. <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> like, felt, you know, the, I felt that. I live alone. No. I don't have anyone no, You know what I mean? Like when burdens. you call your pair, you're like, we, I think that we all have these people in our lives. And like, what if we, if you pump the brakes on that for like this period of time and see like, oh, I really actually use these people in a way that mm. like, do they get the same thing for me? Am I listening to them? Like, I think that's what- I probably need, and so I'm making you do it. For well, me. I, I think there is like an impulse to uh, want to share not negative experiences, but like complaints immediately. Like when you get home from work and you're like, yeah. "How was your day?" Like the trains ve- were awful. Yeah, you very rarely start with this amazing thing happened. I was on this amazing Jewish podcast. Yeah, no, I'm gonna be like, it was raining, and I had to go to the dentist first, and <laughs> the drink was too sour, yeah. <laughs> too blue. <laughs> yeah, so I think yeah, I, I, I it seems reasonable to try and refocus that towards, mm. I don't know, a more productive conversation or a more positive one? Yeah, I would say, I think maybe in my personal life, I'm more the person who gets leaned on. But definitely at work, I'm very happy to share my burdens and complain about minor inconveniences with others. So that's an area. All right, so for you in your personal life, you say, I'm not listening to this yeah. for 40 days. <laughs> I think we're moving from hard to very hard to what I'm about to <laughs> afflict upon you right now. Uh, there's a scene in the otherwise, I think, forgettable movie, Lincoln, in which Daniel Day-Lewis, by which I mean Abraham Lincoln, uh, is talking to someone and trying to convince them to kind of tone down the sort of freedom and freeing the slaves talk because he says basically, hey, man, this is realpolitik. We're trying to make consensus work here. And the person's like, no, America needs to know the cause of freedom, she'll ring. And Lincoln tells this beautiful story uh, that I, I don't actually know if it's true or not, um, or just something the playwright, screenwriter, Tony Kushner, came up with. He says, you know, I learned one thing back when I was uh, a, sur- a land surveyor. You could have the best compass and it could point to true north. But if you just follow that compass and don't watch where you're going, you're just going to fall into a pit. I think about this a lot because I think that our problem these days is almost the opposite. Uh, we watch the pits a lot. Like, should I say this? Is it kind of like, not just politically correct, but just, you know, as people who want to influence people, like how many people am I going to get to listen to me if I say this thing? Is this too extreme? Is this too off-putting? Is this too hardcore? And I feel, again, we're all projecting here because we're Jews, uh, but I feel personally, this is this is, this is is a, a big thing that I do. Like, oh, well, you know, I, I, I'm here to spread a certain kind of, message and I'm a, a religious person, but I don't want to offend people with different sensibilities. So here's my Lent sacrifice. I want you to give up moderation. Uh, and I mean in specifically for this, I want you to spend 40 days doing the best that you can, actually speaking the truth of the true North. My vision for humanity is this, even if to a person who's not doesn't share your beliefs, like, oh my God, you're like some weird, like, what do you mean you don't believe in X, Y, Z? What do you mean you'd like the world to be like, no, no, I, I mean this. I believe, you know, in the glory of Christ. I believe in this, that, and the other. This is the world as I truly imagine it in, in its most radiant form uh, without any consequence or any thought to the consequence of, of how it would make, you know, politically and kind of like realistically other people feel. This All is right, good. Now I feel like you're staring into my soul. <laughs> <laughs> 
Um, yeah, no, I found it, especially with the podcast, you create this community and then you don't want to alienate this community. They, they are coming to you because they find something consoling and enriching. And I, I do. I feel like I sometimes censor myself and Lord knows I don't tweet any of my opinions. <laughs> like I'll like things, but I don't say them out loud. So yeah, that's going to be a rough one for me, but a hopefully fruitful one. But I mean, I mean less, you know, in terms of like the day-to-day kind of advice of like Twitter, this and, and that, I mean, you know, what would happen if you said, you know, here's actually my vision for humanity. Mm. This is actually how I believe people should be. I, I think we would come up with a lot of, you know, really sort of hardcore things that would make people feel very, I don't know, very uncomfortable. I'll give you a dumb and kind of edgy example, but I think it's it's like an entry, good entry-level example. It is not at all cool to say something like, I think pornography is bad and should be banned. I don't think it's a form of speech. I think it's degrading to bodies and souls, men and women, you know, uh, victims and consumers alike. I don't think we should have it. That is not something that you would hear uh, in in most bars and cocktail parties in this city. And I started saying this some years ago and, and also saying like none of it, it, it not even casually, uh, because it's become like so ingrained. Mm-hmm. I think it's that type of, of conversation. It's sort of like, here's how I want life to be lived in its ideal, like glittering, most, to, to borrow a phrase, Christ-like form. You know, I was thinking about uh, the Super Bowl party I was at and when the Jesus commercials came on. I really want to ask you guys about this. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're we obsessed went there. We know you have yeah. thoughts. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think Ashley and I are, we were pretty positive on them, but I could feel the collective eye roll mm-hmm. in the room I was in. And, you know, there were a couple comments made here and there. And, you know, maybe I should have been like, I don't know, actually, like, we should be childlike. It's not the worst message that someone could have spent $20 million Mm -hmm. on. But, you know, it's polite conversation. Um, I went back to the jalapeno poppers. Um, Mm -hmm. So maybe, I don't know, maybe that would have been an instance where I could have, you know, just. So this is a great thing because I feel like I've been thinking about this since that ad. Like, there is this weird revulsion people had to that ad, like Mm -hmm. that it was so something offensive. Who were we talking? Someone said it was like fascism. Like it's like this idea. AOC said yeah. it was AOC. fascism. Yeah. So it's like, what do you two do? You guys, you guys, you're cool. You're young. You're hip. You're Christians. Like, like that's that's part of what you do. It's what you do professionally. How do you? How do you? What do you do in this climate? Or or even if is it this climate? Is this is this real? Am I just seeing one tweet and inferring? No, a lot? I think I think it is. I what I always try to do is like hear where that's coming from or like what is underneath that, and then if. If I've got, like, an established enough relationship, I usually try to gently suggest, like, are you sure you aren't bringing something into this? Like, <laughs> what what's what did you have, what was wrong with this, right? Like, this is where you draw your moral line. Like, you're watching the NFL and all these other companies spend money <laughs> right. on this thing. It's like, <laughs> this is the problem. But usually, I think a lot of people have don't have spaces to talk about the ways they feel about either the religion they were raised I'm with sorry, or... I never thought about it. It's like, yeah, your problem with watching a bunch of people <laughs> give each other concussions not... is Jesus. Yep. <laughs> yeah, like, like, want, I really like that BP ad. That's a great company. It's like, yeah. yeah like all the car companies yeah. that are, yeah, destroying the world. But no, this was the problem. I don't know. I always try to like at least hear where that's coming from um, before I sort of lean in with my vision for what the world looks like. Because that's the thing I worry about sometimes is that I'm always worried that I might say something like my grand vision for the world, but I'm going to alienate someone like as soon as it's going to fall on deaf ears immediately, which is maybe like my ego talking and thinking that if I just like Jesuitical enough, I can like weave in and really convince them of something. So... Do you, is it my ego talking? 
Leo or I don't think so. I I, th- I think it's I think it's I think it's your soul. I mean, I think again, each one of us, and actually this goes back to what you said into something that I think all of us feel very strongly. But I think particularly in this show, I think I feel most strongly is we we really want to spark conversation. It's not so much about us. We do this line of work. I mean, in part for the money and the fame. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all the other earthly, you know, perks, but but in large part uh, because we really want to reach people and have conversations. It's it's a it's a kind of you know very deep uh, desire, uh, and so these concerns are are not bad. But increasingly, I really think I don't know. Maybe it's time to just to just speak plainly to just say like you know what? Here's what I feel. I do think Catholics kind of at least in the circles I run in, Catholics get kind of a pass. Like when the anti-Christian vitriol comes out, it's very much aimed at evangelicals, non-denominational people that they equate with Trump. And they Catholics are distinct enough and have this whole other identity that we can kind of have our own box, which I think makes it more incumbent on us to realize that we do believe that these other Christians, even if they aren't Catholics, believe in the same Jesus as we do. And if people are going after that Jesus, then Catholics can't just be like, oh, well, that's not our problem. Right. (laughs) I'll speak for myself. When I express worldviews that say, like, I actually see everything, all human action uh, and interaction uh, as existing in direct relationship with our creator, I might as well have said, I believe there's, you know, a big purple balloon over my head right now because it strikes most of the people I talk to as as absolutely nonsensical. And when that translates into a politically unpopular position, like, hey, I believe X, not because I'm bad or want to oppress other people, et cetera, et cetera, just because I subscribe to a faith that has thought about this a lot and has very intricate positions on these questions and has alighted on the side of this. And I could totally explain and share some of my reservations, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's not there's not even a space for me to have that conversation. It has become so incredibly it's not so black and white, but it's become so radicalized. And I think in a weird way, I, I start to wonder, and this is in part why I afflicted you with what I did. Uh, if it doesn't make sense, rather than try to kind of dance in between the raindrops to say like, okay, well, at the very least, then if I'm already if I already paid the bill <laughs> as I, as I sat down to the table, I may as well enjoy the wine. Yeah, mm-hmm. I may as well tell you what it is that I actually think, because I don't know, maybe someone out there would be deeply moved to hear not the sort of like equivocating kind of cautious, but like, no, actually, this is what I believe. Like, I seriously am looking forward to the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem and the coming of the Messiah. Like, totally, 100 percent, unironical. Well, I, I think also like I try to undercut what questions I think people might have. And that's what usually comes out as dancing around or like talking in equivocations. And it really doesn't respect the person in front of you either if you if you don't give them a chance to ask some kind of follow-up question, right? Because then I think that's where real conversation happens because if you're responding to what someone is actually asking instead of what you think they might ask and you, that's the answer you're giving, mm-hmm. I think that's where real human encounter can happen. I was having a conversation uh, with a colleague about you know, whether the point or a point of being a Christian is to make more Christians. And like, it used to be kind of obvious to most mm-hmm. Catholics that like Jesus said to evangelize all mm-hmm. nations and all peoples. And we are in a cultural moment where that's kind of 
you can't actually believe that. Mm -hmm. And so I, it's a question I struggle with. I mean, talking on a Jewish podcast, like I'm not going to try to convince people to be Catholics. Ashley, like, <laughs> start right now. Right yeah. I, Leo's go like ahead. 95% of the way 60 there. 60 seconds. If there's anyone go. who's going to get him, First of all, you we've guys. Already, you realize we're all primed because we've seen the Super Bowl commercials. We're, we're yes. about 47% yeah. of the way there. And that's why he's here. All right. I was already doing what I was trying not to do, which is equivocating. <laughs> come into our house. <laughs> <laughs> but it is like, for, when I was talking to my colleague, he was very much on the side of like, no, the point of being Christian is not to make more Christians. It's to make the world more just and whatever place. And I was like, yeah, but don't you think it would be better if more everyone was <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. What's like the latest buzz on your show? Like, what are some of the things everyone's debating? Like, like, I, like, what's what's going on over there? So, the Catholic Church right now is engaged in this process called the Synod on Synodality. Um, we've not really <laughs> yeah, got like that's, that's, S-Y-N-O-D. that's so Jesuitical. Synod. That's how you say yeah. that word. Yep, yep. Synod. Uh, Does synod anyone on- know what synod means? No. Um, basically, people have joked it's uh, this process of meetings to talk about how to have meetings. Oh, that's so—we love those, too. Yeah. Um, but what it really is, in effect, this, like, massive listening consultation uh, process where the church is trying to hear from the widest variety of people possible um, about what they think about the world, about the church, where things should go. And naturally, anytime people share their honest opinions, um, it can get really, really messy because— there's a group that thinks this is all just like a Trojan horse to change a bunch of things in Catholicism. There's some people that are using it as a Trojan horse to change a bunch <laughs> of things in Catholicism. And other people that really just think it's like an obligation we have uh, to one another to do. So uh, as a, uh, just as an aside, uh, as as an, an, an obsessive, I suppose, Catholic fanboy, uh, someone who is deeply engaged and and in awe of, of the faith, uh, I you know participate in all kinds of, of groups and recently... Uh, was at a meeting that featured a fairly prominent emissary of the Vatican. And I asked a question, uh, and the man who was, by the way, they say, like, dress for the job you want. <laughs> that guy, I mean, yeah, whatever. By the way, if you want to make more Christians, be like, you get to wear that. Like, this is freaking amazing. <laughs> was this uh, a, was it a cardinal or a... It, it, I, I don't want to reveal What color was he wearing? Okay. Red, yes. white, purple? Was a... He was wearing white. Okay. Uh, and... Uh, I love this. It's like the belts in karate. Uh, and he was, uh, I asked him a, a question. It was a pretty minor theological question. And he looked at me and he said, that's a very good question. You know, uh, the the church is uh, discussing this. You should have an answer in about 200 years. And he wasn't joking. He was like, yes, no, we're on it. <laughs> Ask us again in two centuries. And I love that. That's amazing to I me. love that about the church too. But yeah. so many, I feel like, of my contemporaries that's the that's the sticking point. It's but, like, but how, how but how could that be true? It's so wonderful. 
you know, something that's impervious to our little rhythms. Can these be synods? Like when we go on each other's show, can those be? This things? is a little synod. synod. So we would have to ask you guys Interface what your synod. impressions are of the it's church. It's a Fabrengan, though. It, it's just their word for Fabrengan. I could share so my like, impression to the church. For a tip, I've, I've, I've shared. I shared. I think the church is the is the only is the last remaining bulwark for human dignity and freedom in this world. It's our last line of defense. We have no other. I'm. That as a add on her. Super podcast. clear. Leo, which show are you on? I don't know. <laughs> which, which team are you on? He wants the next Super Bowl gig. Leo <laughs> Leibowitz, Jewish podcaster. The Catholic Church is the last light of defense. Can I say that sounded kind of bo- not boring, but because it was called like Sinodon, Sinodon. So like some of the flashpoints oh, that yeah. are coming up are yeah. things like women's ordination, the treatment of LGBT Catholics, um, Engaging young people. Engaging young people, uh, how to deal with divorced and remarried Catholics. So, yeah, so those are kind of the the big questions are, that are coming up. And we, we had a cardinal, the Cardinal Robert McElroy from San Diego came on Jesuitical to talk about this. And he's definitely one of the people who's, I would say, pushing for— honest, Push for change. Yeah. Pushing for change uh, around these issues, uh, around inclusivity in the Catholic Church. Cool. What are you guys talking about, fighting about? conversing about whether to uh, back into parking or park very very midday things what have we been talking top, about top sheets, I can't even remember whether Jewish. you should add cocktails to every show yeah what well, we would name a Jewish cocktail oh yeah you thing. people oh, yeah. Uh, has been a- oh, I read your yes, review yeah. it was so good it what made me want to watch yeah, what it you guys, so have you <laughs> I haven't seen, seen it? it yet no I stopped like listening to the podcast when you guys started to get into it because I was like All right, I'm going to watch it first and then I'm going to come yeah. back I'm so curious for your thoughts as like people of faith that aren't Jewish like do, does this offend you on, on our behalf. Where, um, show hands. Were, were you all offended by it? I just like wish it was a better movie. I feel like when things are offensive, like if it lands, it lands. And you're like, yeah, that's that's a, that's like that's perfect. As we said on the show, the, the thing about it that we found most offensive is in the first scene because um, the, the character is a podcaster. So he's sitting there at like a three million dollar studio with like ridiculous mics. Like, so many you know, soundboards. Directional mics and like sound effects like. How could a podcaster ever afford that? That's offensive and to us. Not, as, our, as our producer Robert pointed out, they're not even talking into the mics. Right. Yeah. Uh, and he's like, uh, that, uh, that room is too big. The sound escapes. There's no way that podcast is successful. So it doesn't work. Mark, did you care for it? I sort of took Liel's position that it made Jews look absolutely horrible, but only about as much as we deserve. Uh, Liel, Liel wrote a very good piece on that that I thought was was really dead on. And um, yeah, I thought it was like a B-minus rom-com that actually had an A plus for depicting the loathsomeness uh, and idiocy of many contemporary Jews. Um, wow! And, and through your an- endorsement of the Jews, and <laughs> <laughs> no, but the issue there, but the issue there exactly this. It, it was it was not it was treating it was treating Judaism like a Costco membership card as like not actually knowing anything or doing anything or investing in any way, and then expecting that it would be transmitted to the next generation. And the the parent characters, not the Jonah Hill, you know, uh, Lauren Lon- Lauren London characters, uh, who were I thought were kind of incredible, but. You know, the parents are Jews and Muslims who comically, and I think on both sides, equally kind of despicably and ridiculously know nothing, nothing about their their traditions. I mean, they seem like people who read, you know, the first three lines of Wikipedia entry and then said, okay, I got this. I'm that. And it's important to me. And I thought just making fun of that was wonderful because in the spirit of no moderation, that's bad. 
That's bad for people and it's, it's bad it's, for children. It's interesting because I wonder what you think because I feel like it's so easy to sort of like dunk on Judaism because we're like, oh, it's bagels and chicken soup. And like, especially in, in media, it's like, it's such a trope. Like you, I'm sure you, you're like, oh, it's Seinfeld, it's this. And I wonder if there's sort of like, uh, maybe particularly Catholic, like we don't see that you don't see like a lapsed Christian, do You're you? You're about to see it next week when the Catholics come out of the woodworks to get their ashes on their forehead. Oh, because, oh yeah. So we're going to all see like who those secret <laughs> you're gonna, Catholics are. You'll, yeah. you'll probably see some TV anchors. We'll see, we'll see, see who's real. I've talked before about how I grew up getting on the school bus in Springfield, Massachusetts every year and seeing the ashes and like wanted to run screaming. I thought, what's going on here? It was, it was but question, papists. Is there a is there a Catholic version of you people? Is there a movie where yeah. a Catholic filmmaker has at you That's the way they question. the way that the way that a Latter Day Saint filmmaker has at his own people in Napoleon Dynamite? The way that you could say happens to Jews and you people and some other uh, movies. Lady Bird. Who's Lady the, Bird. I was going to say Bird. Lady Bird. Oh. Like the Interesting. Catholic school depiction. It's of very. Lo- it's more loving than I would I love say. That movie. It's Good movie. Yeah. 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 What about like John Mulaney saying all that stuff? The bread of bread. We don't like that. No. <laughs> I don't believe it. I, that feels like a, a bit, right? Yeah. I, I don't know. They, they do that to us all the time, those Jewish communities. Oh, uh, <laughs> what's it called? Derby Girls? Dairy Girls. Dairy Girls. Dairy Girls. <laughs> I stopped watching that because oh. I couldn't understand their Three episodes in, I gave up on their accents. Oh, yeah. Superstar? That's a good one. Oh, yep, yep. Yeah, a lot of them school. revolve around Catholic school, I yeah. would say, or exercise. Great costumes. It's easy to do. You know what offended me as a Catholic wannabe? The last 15 minutes of Silence, which otherwise mm. was one of the greatest movies I have ever seen. And then it ended in this way as like, no. No, bad. Our colleague, um, all I'll say, it ends like, I don't know, it's like emotional. It's like violent and puts you through the ringer. We got to watch that in Scorsese's office because our colleague helped consult on it. And like, it go like, screen goes black and I'm just like, wow. And out comes Martin Scorsese and he's just like, oh, what'd you guys think? <laughs> <laughs> um, excuse me, Mr. Scorsese. I don't know. I was so, but I feel like anytime I see a depiction like that, I'm part of me is just like, Oh, I'm so happy that he at least like took it seriously and mm-hmm. took the question mm-hmm. seriously. I might quibble with the end too a little bit, but I didn't feel like if you were a thinking person, you walked away unaffected from that movie. Sure. What about Keeping the Faith? One of my favorite movies. Where do you guys stand on that? I love that movie. <laughs> this I've is the movie where it. a priest and a rabbi are in love with the same girl. Yeah, they're best, <laughs> all best friends from childhood. Uh-huh. Where all the priests look like Edward Norton. Right? Uh, Foreman and Edward Norton. Where Edward Norton's the priest. And all the rabbis t- look like Ben Stiller. Exactly. This is what we should do. I think I think our next collaboration we should, should redo be a this live movie. screening with like live commentary. Oh, like God. like yeah. just us talking throughout the film. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. love this. This is great. All right. Done. This all is how right. we're gonna activate the young people. Now get one them last, back engaged. One last question. What do we uh what do we wish you for Lent? Uh, a meaningful yeah. Lent, an blessed easy Lent. Blessed Lent. Blessed Lent. Yeah. Blessed the Lent. Usual. May you have a blessed Lent. A very freilicher blessed Lent. Thank you very much. Thank Th- you thanks so much. so much, guys. All right. I hope you enjoyed that very fun conversation with our friends at Unorthodox and that you have a blessed Lent. And now I'll get us out of here. Judge Whittacle is produced by Sebastian Gomes with production assistance from Kevin Jackson and Christopher Spielman. Our sound engineer is Kevin Christopher Robles. Faith Formation provided by Father Eric Sundra. You can follow us on Twitter at Jesuitical Show. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash groups slash Jesuitical. Please subscribe wherever you get your favorite podcasts. And if you're on Apple or Spotify, leave us a review. Jesuitical is recorded in the William J. Lowshirt Studio at America Media in New York City. 
For America Media, I'm Ashley McKinless with Zach Davis. We'll see you next week.